Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is Monday, October 17th, 2022, and you're listening to episode 149 of the Can I Sit Link podcast. I'm your host and a recluse with a juicy caboose, Damien. Joining me today is Derek McDuff. On today's show, we'll be discussing what we've been watching, including Not Okay, the spectacular new horror film Smile, the spectacular old horror film Event Horizon, and many, many more. Right into the show, bicycle at gmail.com, bicycle on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend, family member, or stranger, what up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm good. Uh, today is technically my day off, but uh, I'm recording. This is number two of four podcasts I'm recording, so I'm doing a... I'm getting them wow. all. I'll go, yeah, a bunch of stuff knocked out today, so <laughs> the life of a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're totally flipping flipping positions. Last time we talked, uh, you had just come back from a wedding, and I was I think that was my third podcast that day. And now, <laughs> <The tables, laughs> last week I went turn. to a wedding. Yeah, table the how the ta- how the turntables. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was just telling you before we recorded, I went to a wedding like you did uh, up here in the Northeast. Went to a wedding in New Hampshire. Very nice wedding. Very nice people. Loved the time. Loved spending time with the folks um, over there in New Hampshire. But uh, coming back, we drove over there, two and a half hour drive. Not bad drive going because you can take the pike, which you're like, what's the pike? The mass pike? What is that thing? <laughs> Big deal over here because back in like the 40s or the 50s when we actually invested in infrastructure in this country, they built a giant uh, highway stretching the entire length of Massachusetts, which is pretty big. I don't know uh, how to explain to it how big it is to uh, other people in other parts of the country, but it is pretty massive. Um so you can basically take that anywhere you want to go in, in mass. But unfortunately, because I was so high up north that it would have taken longer to get to the pike to get on it than it would have just to go straight home. So we did we took a bunch of back roads. Back roads in Massachusetts are very pretty. The scenery is very pretty. Uh, but like I was saying, just uh, once you get down into the middle of the state, you get into like Greenfield and places like that, very much dead. <laughs> it's all pretty much dead wastelands of old mill towns, old you know paper mills and sawmills and uh fabric mills that used to be the heart of the country used to make things in this country you know back in the day (laughs) but uh we don't make anything here in this country anymore we just have uh you know tech bros and finance bros and bitcoin bros just making nothing they just uh manipulating the market so they can make you know a few million dollars more but everybody's rent goes up by 500 dollars. so that's cool oh yeah oh Um, yeah especially out here in california (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's pretty much the same deal over here. Just a little less, uh, I don't know, less money, I guess, going around. You know, just uh, mm-hmm. you can re- you can retire here, but that means just you know, retiring here means a lot different things than it means than retiring in California, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Over here, I was telling you, you know, you're going to the back back roads and going up these mountain mountain back roads and I'm like all right what is this is this like some sort of you know is this where the hillbillies live is this where they make the meth and the and the moonshine no 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 <laughs> apparently this is where all the tech bros coming to retire because you can sort of see it from the road like from the road you can see up in the hills there's like these giant like million dollar houses with you know uh, a bunch of cars bunch of uh, um, snowmobiles for uh you know what do they call them? Four wheel drive. Uh, mm. What do you call those? Do- like not a dune buggy, but those fucking 
we call them the the, the all-terrain r- 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 vehicles all-terrain all vehicles thank you yes yes exactly those things so just just a bunch of rich fucks up there just <laughs> living living the high life getting getting shit delivered by uh amazon drones so they don't have to go out and mingle with the with the common folk right so, right that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun had a had a great time with that yep northeast is very, nice. is very pretty i know i it is i, I had a good I, time I out there yeah yeah, did you did you go out at all? Did you go travel around it, here at all? I, I just I just kind of you know traveled around Vermont a little bit. We took, checked out the wedding was in kind of a, a more rural kind of like forested area, but then uh, I stayed in Burlington a couple nights and got to check out Burlington and the lake and stuff like that. And then got to check out um, one of the days the uh, I was staying in the the town. Uh, Stowe, I think is what it was with the Ben and Jerry's factory. You got to take the Ben and Jerry's tour yeah. and got to, yeah. I found, I found my place. There. There's a cider mill there. And I, <laughs> Oh my God, it was amazing. I love, I love me some cider. So that was pretty great. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. I did, uh, the, the local, uh, local culinary, um, explorations I did, uh, amounted to, um, going to a Denny's the day after the wedding. So that was my, <laughs> my local, uh, my trek into the local cuisine over there. But you know, it's good stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's $12, $12 for like four pancakes and some bacon and eggs. That was good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Some good times over here. But uh, let's get to some news because we got some breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> MCU is going to delay four movies across phases five and six. We were talking about the announcement they made earlier this year at Comic-Con. Uh, Kevin Feige and his hat came out and announced a bunch of projects coming in phase five and phase six coming. I think he announced, I think he said 2024, 2025, around then for a lot of the major um, Avengers movies, the the um the king dynasty and secret wars is what he announced over there um so that was pretty cool and i'm like all right cool i'm i'm here i'm waiting for him i'm ready but now apparently they are going to be delayed um about a year per project uh, they said, quote, in the article, they say, quote, in a new release uh, update from Disney, Marvel Studios has officially delayed four MCU movies across phases five and six. Marshala Ali's Blade has been delayed nearly a year from November 2023 to September 6, 2024, while Deadpool, Deadpool 3 has been pushed back to November 8, 2024, Fantastic Four to February 14, 2025, and Avenger Secret Wars being pushed back to May 1st, 2026. That's uh yeah, that's a while. I'm gonna be I'm be like in my fifties by then, apparently. <laughs> uh, additionally, the updates reveals that an untitled Marvel movie has been removed from the schedule entirely, while another has been pushed to November seventh, twenty twenty five. So let me let me get your let me get your uh, feelings on that. I mean, honestly, I I feel like this is a good thing because if yes, like delays, like I I you know they, we always hear about crunch. Especially with a lot, um, a lot of Marvel projects and the, all the effects they have to do, and people like to bring up the, you know, the the way that finales might be look, and like you know, the Black Panther one is like there. People are like, oh, it look, the CG looks so bad, and blah blah blah. And there's been a bunch of stuff coming out about CG with She-Hulk and stuff like that, and and it's it's good to not have crunch, in my opinion. There's it's it's you know, I I know some people in the video game industry who have to deal with that, and it's really just absolutely shitty but even beyond the effects stuff it's good to have like take some time nail the story down 
Um, if you look at, like, the Zelda series, Legend of Zelda games get delayed every fucking time. And then they come yeah. out four years later, and they're incredible, you know? Like, we've yeah. just got a trailer for Breath of the Wild 2. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom, yeah. I guess it's called. Um, but, yeah, and we've been waiting on that forever. So, you know what? I'm fine. Take your time. Marvel, like, put the work and the the respect into these projects that needs to be done. Don't need to rush them out. We, You know, I, I am fine with waiting for something if it means it's going to be superior and you're not going to be rushing it out like because you oh we've got to get morbius out you know like sony <laughs> sony rushing yeah. to get every fucking thing out that they can um so i, I i'm glad about this to be honest we we and honestly yeah. i do i have been getting a bit of marvel burnout so i'm fine with waiting a little bit more we yeah. don't need all these projects just like back to back to back looking down the barrel of the gun just like oh my god it's, it's another month <laughs> it's another marvel thing so give give us some breathing room that, that's a good thing yeah yeah, you mentioned Miyamoto um, delaying, not Miyamoto delaying, but you know Nintendo delaying the, the games until they're ready. And Miyamoto has a, a pretty classic qu- quote, which is basically, he said, uh, I'm not going to get it exactly, but he said, you know, uh, a delayed game, what did he say? A, a bad game is, is bad forever, but a delayed game can be good, right? Is that basically what he said? Something like that, yeah, yeah. That's the gist yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me ask you about... Um, you know they're delaying. Basically, they, they they did phase four. They they shit all that out, uh, real quick. <laughs> like you said, um, why why are they delaying this part of it? Because why why would they not sort of sit down with Disney, Marvel Studios, sitting down with Disney and say, hey, let's just delay the whole thing for phase four, five, and six, as opposed to what they what they did, which is put phase four out. People are not very happy with that overall i haven't been very happy with phase four overall they've been good very good projects i think we're going to talk about um she hulk is one of my favorite things they put out this year loki was very good they've had projects in there that that i've really enjoyed but overall i haven't really enjoyed much of it why do you think they're sort of i don't know if allowed is the right word but why are they delaying phase five and six but not phase four oh well phase four was delayed you know covid delayed it covid delayed everything that was coming out like i mean for years you know like they were the original look at the original release dates and look at the release dates when everything did come out and they they did delay almost everything and i don't know i i don't like what what like other than thor 4 like what did you not like about phase 4 well well i'll tell you what i didn't like about it in a second but my question is more like they're delaying this to make it good, right? They're making yeah. it. They're delaying it to get the writing right, to get the CGI right, to get all that stuff right. Um, and you're correct that they did delay a lot of the Phase Four stuff, and they did like even uh, micro delays in there where they they did um, two episodes of WandaVision as opposed to three to give them more time to finish the back end of the series. So there was many many delays in Phase Four. I guess my question would be, um, they're doing a major like overhaul to the entire Phase Five and Six, um, and before. Uh, COVID, they, you know, famously the entire MCU has been planned out years and years in advance, right? But what they what they had to do with Phase Four was release what they had when it was ready, as opposed to going with the schedule that they had um, already planned, right? The entire my understanding, maybe you can uh, illuminate my any mistakes I'm going to talk about right here, but they had an entire plan for phase four and they basically put everything out when it was ready. 
um, which you know mangled the entire overarching story that they had ready because you know WandaVision, WandaVision went first as opposed to Falcon Winter Soldier. You know the Spider Man was put out bef- uh, after. Or no, Spider-Man was put up before Doctor Strange. It was supposed to come after. So there was a whole bunch of uh, rearranging to the re- release schedule, might, which might not sound like a big deal. But because they had such a structured and such a um, specific plan, right, for the phase four, just like they did for the previous three phases, um, I think a, del- a major delay like they're doing with phase five and six r- why, why wouldn't they just sit down and say, hey, Disney, don't make us put out whatever's ready first. Let us stick with the schedule. That's all, that's all I'm saying. I think that, so the ones that did get switched around a little bit, you know, WandaVision and Loki, like they don't really impact each other too much. Like I think that the overall okay. story didn't really change those. Well, the one thing where the overall story did change was like yeah. you mentioned Spider-Man, which Spider-Man coming yeah. out before Doctor Strange changed things. The thing is, Spider-Man is released by Sony. Marvel obviously has a stake in it, they obviously produce it, but they do not have, I don't think, the final say in when that movie comes out. And that is pretty clear. I think Sony is the ones who are being like, hey, because if you look at the Spider-Man releases, they are always very yeah. quick. Like, So I don't think that Marvel would have wanted a Spider-Man movie to come out before a Doctor Strange movie, but Sony was like, no, we're sticking to the release date. Same thing even when the Spider-Man 2 was came out so... That was one of the quickest sequels um, to an MCU movie. Usually there's like a big gap, five or so years, but the Spider-Man sequels were just very quick, and that's because, like I said before, Sony is just pushing these movies out. And I don't think Marvel yeah. really had any say in saying so they did delay their doctor strange sony wasn't going to delay spider-man they just wanted it out now so they just kind of had to work with you know the other studios in that case unfortunately um and it might be that they just learned something too from the phase four stuff and they are like okay maybe we should take a little more time but honestly i think it's mostly just studio politics and dealing with sony yeah, I think you're mostly right. I, I would just be interested to see, you know, what the uh, previously planned narrative, overarching narrative for Phase 4 would have been with the original um, lineup, what they had planned, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, I don't really think there would be too much change other than just the kind of, the way we learned about the multiverse. We would have had, learned about it first in the multiverse of Madness and Loki and then got into it in Spider-Man, but I actually think it worked out the way it happened because we're like, okay, we get these characters from these other movies, so we got that multiverse concept that way. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was one thing people were complaining about a lot, was like, where is this going? And like, no one knew where Phase 1 was going, and now we know where Phase 4 is going, or Phase 4, 5, and 6 are going because we got these multiverse things, and there was definitely breadcrumbs in there, a lot more so than I think the early MCU stuff leading up to Endgame, when they really didn't know where they were going in the first one, two even phases of the MCU. Um, so I think things right. are even more planned out now than they were at this stage in, you know, the last cycle. Right, right. True, true, true. Um, yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, She-Hulk right now since we're talking about the Marvel stuff? Yeah, we can We can talk about She-Hulk. Um, we were texting about it, and I think we're both on the same yeah. page. Like, I, I fucking loved it. I thought it was incredible. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. They went all the way... With the spoilers, you know, spoilers for everything going forward, but especially for She-Hulk right now, um, yeah, incredible. I love the, I love how 
um, they are so uh, introspective and so so meta with everything. You know, the the uh, She-Hulk has always been meta, um, just like you know Deadpool does meta stuff. And just for anybody wondering, She-Hulk did it first. Yeah, <laughs> Not yeah. saying that just to shove it in anybody's faces, but that that, that is what happened. Um, yeah, they are. It's so incredible. They talked about this on. Um, on the Midnight Boys, Pew Pew, Ringerverse show. Um, but it is so so much of what they were talking about in this show. They were like, oh, my God, I can't believe they got this past Kevin Feige yeah. and past, past the entire writing crew of just like, yeah, this, they're they're totally shredding every sh- shredding the um, the entire idea, the entire mythos of the MCU of being like, this is the part where the big fighty fighty thing was supposed to happen. But we're not going to do that. We're going to be we're going to try something different. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, she name drops the X-Men. It's like this, this, this are the X-Men going to be coming in <laughs> later on? <laughs> yeah. No, it was. So, yeah, she's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for those who haven't seen it, she basically goes. Um, there's a big fighty fighty scene at the end. You have Abomination. You have um, Hulk coming back from space out of nowhere. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching this and I was like, all right. Um, that sure they'll have to explain that later on, but uh, sure, I guess this is what we're doing. And then she starts freaking out and be like, what is going on? Where did he even come from? Why is Titania here? Um, and she starts really getting to the camera and she's like, hold on, hold on, pause, pause, pause. So she paused the entire show. It kicks back to the uh, to the main Disney Plus screen and she pops out of the, uh, the She-Hulk screen, the She-Hulk little icon there, jumps down to uh, Marvel, Marvel Assembled, which is the documentary show that they have on there, but all the Marvel shows. She jumps into that, goes into the uh, Marvel Studios uh, back lot, walks through there, and finds the She-Hulk writing team. And she's like, guys, what are we doing here? <laughs> Why is there a giant fighty fighty scene at the end of this, you know, legal drama? They're like, well... This is what put butts in seats, ma'am. This is what the Kevin wants. What Kevin wants, Kevin guessed. He's like, she's like, who's Kevin? He's like, you don't get to talk to Kevin. Kevin's the big shot around here. He makes all the deals. You'll never talk to Kevin. She's like, fuck this. So she goes and she goes to uh, Kevin's office or the the reception area. She's like, I want to talk to Kevin. And then the guy's like, all right, makes the call. Sign here. You have to sign the the NDA. Um, So anyways, so she goes in there and she's like, signs the NDA. And then the guy was like, pulls the alarm and she's like why did you why'd you make this out of the nda if you're just gonna pull the alarm he's like had to everyone has to um and then she goes in and she meets kevin which is uh k-e-v-i-n i forget what it stood for but it's this giant like ai like portal robot in the middle of the room and she's like what is going on there's like this giant giant fight in the middle of my legal drama and he's like this is what the algorithm says we must do <laughs> people people love this stuff and she's like yeah i get that people love this stuff but it's my it's, it's my show we have to do something different and she and things like what do you mean people are saying that they don't like this and she's like yeah people in internet are saying this yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious no i, um, I, I yeah, thought it was brilliant yeah good yeah yeah, just to get so so meta with it and so self-aware with it. It's good. It's really good to see, like we were saying just now, with the fact that uh, Phase 4 is what it is, and then maybe they're going to finally sit down and be like, okay, we've heard the news, we've heard the clamor, we've heard uh, from the fans that this is not quite what they're expecting, so maybe we'll pump the brakes on this and we'll sort of take it slow and, and um, you know actually think about what we're doing here. So yeah. So that's very interesting. Yeah. No, and I I do honestly feel like this finale addressed so many of my concerns because I've talked about on this show here before. Like one of my big 
problems, my only real problem with Marvel movies has been recently has been the big act three thing where you have this show or movie and it's really thoughtful and interesting and then the end just becomes a big sky battle with laser beams and people punching each other and like yeah. that that was like my thing with wandavision was i fucking loved wandavision and then and it was just like witches shoot flying around in the sky shooting magic at each other and i was like what what is this this is nothing to do with the show that i just watched and she-hulk feels like it directly addressed that and it's the same thing with shang chi like that's a good movie and the ending is just like after his dad dies and it's just like okay well now he's got to ride a dragon and do all the marvel things and and i that was one thing i was watching she hulk and i was just dreading the whole time i was like okay it's just gonna have a big action finale and it seemed like they were going that way they're like putting some hints like all right well whatever i can live with it and then they're like no we're directly gonna address that that is what the finale is gonna be is a meta commentary on the thing you don't like and we're gonna fix it and that was so great. I think uh, the first episode was a little rough because the first episode felt just like very origin story MCU. Yes. But after that, yep. like the whole show, I thought it was, you know, it did everything I want from an MCU thing where the cameos were like there just perfectly enough. Like they weren't there to like just set things up or like be something else. Like Daredevil was there. I know we're gonna do some other Daredevil stuff, but like he was there. Yeah. He served his purpose in this story. Wong was there to serve a purpose in the story, and they were fun. It was like okay, it was just here. We're in this world. We're in the world of the MCU, and what would it be like for someone like this? Someone who is has this like other thing. They're not a superhero. They have superpowers, but they are just kind of living in this world and dealing with all of these superpowered people, Daredevil and Wong and the Abomination and Hulk and all of these guys. And what would that be like? And it's also a really good show about like being a millennial and like living in this fucking world that yeah. we live in today and being single <laughs> in your thirties and how shitty that is. And I was just, it just did all of these things that I loved so much. Yeah, and it does lay some groundwork for some things going forward. You have the Hulk at the end at the uh, sort of like a Fast and the Furious dinner they're having there yeah. on, <laughs> on the Los Angeles. Um, and he comes in this scene and he's like, hey, I want you to meet, meet somebody. Scar, my son. What? What? When did that happen? <laughs> but I like how they like um, were kind of just like, oh, yeah, like you know don't waste too much time like she even brings it up she's like yeah, yeah like this is the, we don't need to have him here to just pitch something else there's it's like almost like it's, it's, <laughs> that's gonna become something maybe it's almost like a joke on itself of like yeah here's the yeah. whole just to set something else up you know yeah uh, apparently that is a character from the books from the comics um during world war hulk he apparently like became the champion of the world he gets married um and his wife is killed but the son is still born and that son has become scar so that actually is a thing from the books which is very cool a lot of, a lot of deep cuts from this I, I don't have it pulled up right now but apparently there was a bunch of deep cuts um from the movies and from the comics scattered throughout the background of this episode which is pretty cool yeah yeah that's that uh, you all you love yeah. to see the easter eggs and stuff like this yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, one of one of the best shows. I would say this is pretty pretty high up there. Um, even with uh, might be my number one. My sh- I'm gonna let it share my number one. I'm not gonna let. It, I'm not gonna say it's better than Loki, but I'm gonna give it uh, the A and B slot with Loki and She Hulk be my favorite uh, of the two of the uh, Marvel TV shows. How, what, what do you think about that? Honestly, it might be my number one. Like it might just be recency bias, but it did everything I wanted. Like it just did everything I wanted from a Marvel show, and I was I was so impressed with it. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Honestly, honestly, yeah. Loki would probably be number two of the like kind of Disney Plus era of N- MCU shows. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Yeah. And speaking of uh, MCU stuff, speaking of Marvel stuff that they're trying, trying new stuff. Werewolf by Night also dropped around the same time. Uh, we both saw this. This is directed by uh, Michael G. Aquino, who is a very famous um, uh, scorer, composer for a lot mm. of movies. My favorite um, composer. He's great. He's your favorite? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Him, he um, narrowly edges out Hans Zimmer. So. Hans Zimmer. Yep. Uh, I love. What about. Uh, uh, Shore Howard Shore is very good as Howard well. Howard Shore is right? great. Yeah, yeah. I actually just talked yeah. about him on was it Howard Shore or was it John Powell? I think it was Howard Shore. I just talked about him on the episode of Underrated that came out today because he scored the New World. But yeah, also Howard Shore. Oh, nice. Well, of course, John Williams is great. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So this is uh, stars Guy Garcia Bernal as Jack Russell, um, Laura Donnelly as Elsa Bloodstone, uh, Harriet Sansom Harris as Versua. Um, so yeah, this is very cool. This was like a fifty-five minute, um, not really a movie, not really a show. Very, uh, I think it was called like a special presentation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is very cool. Shot in black and white. Um, it is just like one shot. Uh, self-contained thing. Uh, I thought it was very cool. I thought uh, Gael Garcia Bernal is a fantastic actor. Thought he did really great with this. Um, I love the, I love the look and the feel of it. I um, the first of the month clicked on clicked over and I was like, yeah, spooky time. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> fired up uh, Criterion Channel. Finally watched all of the Universal uh, Marvel movies or Universal Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> they probably will be eventually. I'll <laughs> fold it, fold everything. I mean, that apparently was the there original. is like all of this. The original cinematic universe is the Universal Monsters. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, apparently, all those guys do actually exist in the Marvel universe. Um, huh. you know, obviously, they yeah. they have Hercules and all them in there. So yeah. I think they do exist in there in, in some in some uh, extent to some extent. Um, but I watched all of those movies. The the Draculas and Werewolf. I actually didn't see Wolfman. I think that was the one they didn't have on there. But uh, I watched um, Frankenstein, Brighter Frankenstein, which I would. Uh, for those that don't know or haven't seen it, Bride of Frankenstein features only about like 30 seconds of the Bride of Frankenstein. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> False advertising on there. So I checked out all those before watching this. You definitely can see the influences of all that all of that stuff on there, especially the black and white stuff, but also just the feel of it. Just It's, it's like a hokey, cheesy kind of uh, 1940s, 1950s universal monster movie feel to it. I really enjoyed this. Did you? Oh, I, I loved it. You know, I was very excited to see his directorial debut, Gacino's directorial debut. And um, yeah, it definitely had that vibe. You know, you have, I, that's the other thing that the MCU can do is that you can just be like, yeah, there's this whole weird world and other things are happening in it. There's this whole other, that's what I loved about like, you know, Daredevil and all those Defender shows. It's like, or even like I brought up She-Hulk. It's like, oh yeah, like this is a big world and not everybody is connected to the Avengers. There's other things going on. There's these monsters and stuff and there's this guy and there's like man thing and just, it, it felt really cool. I love the vibes of it. The I'm really glad it was in black and white. I know Gacino fought really hard for it to be black and white and just, you know, he's an interesting, cool character. Um, so it's it's something where it's like I, I hope they do a lot more of these Marvel presentations because it was really cool. Marvel, like because of who they are, gets to play with the form a lot, which I think is really cool and interesting. And now they're like, oh yeah, we had our one shots, we had our TV shows, we have our movies, and now we're gonna do this thing that's kind of in between all of them. And because we could just you have Disney Plus, we could just release it if we want to. Don't need to worry about it making money or people watching it on network TV. We can just make shit like this, and I think that's so cool. 
Yes, yes, exactly. Yep, totally agree. Um, just looking through all the different characters. Very cool. Very is it again? It's very cool for the deep cut stuff. Uh, deep cut uh, Marvel fans of this are listening to. Um, What's the show called? Uh, X-Ray um, with Jason Concepcion. Used to be on The Ringer. Now he's over there on uh, Pod Save America, that whole team over there. Um, really, I love that show because they get really, really deep into all the different characters that are on the show. Highly recommend uh, listen to that. Um, but yeah, very, very cool. Mm. Loved, loved it a lot. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully they do more of this kind of stuff. I know they're going to be doing um, the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special yeah, later on this yeah. year. So <laughs> definitely can't wait for that as well. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, yes. So let's get to some stuff we have been watching again. Like I said, spooky, ooky season, my favorite time of the year. <laughs> Diving deep, deep, deep into a lot of the um, horror stuff I haven't seen before. Um, a lot of stuff on Criterion. I don't believe, uh, I'm not sure if Nosferatu was on there or not, but I finally checked out that uh, remake or reimagining by Werner Herzog himself from 1979. Uh, stars, of course, Klaus Kinski. Uh, and we have Isabella Agini playing Lucy. Uh, we got uh, Roland Tapor playing Renfield. We got Van Helsing in this. This was very cool. This was a very, like I watched this probably a few days after watching Dracula and the original Nosferatu. This is just gets really grimy and gritty and very realistic. <laughs> At one point, you can see, uh, I, I imagine it wasn't CGI back then and probably all practical effect because these, these hundreds and hundreds of uh, rats running around the actual set. And I was like, oh my God, but I can't imagine being on one of these fucking sets. Do not your eyes from the rats. <laughs> they will run into your soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the same guy, Werner Herzog, who made, like, fucking Fitz Carraldo. Um, and I still got to see the documentary uh, made about the making of that. But, yeah, this is back in the 70s. Uh, Werner Herzog is a guy, for those who don't know, very much known for putting his, his actors through the ringer, you know, forcing them into very um, not safe, not great uh, scenarios. And I imagine it was the same thing with this one, where it's probably shot, like, 50, 50 or 60 times, making her just like, you know, no, no, this is the rest. You got to look so scary. The rats are there and bite you. Scream, man. Scream. Give <laughs> you a life. <laughs> well, yeah, it's very good. I highly recommend uh, Nosferatu, the Vampire. Uh, let's see. What else did I watch? Some new stuff. New spooky stuff coming out this year. 2022 has been a pretty good year for horror. Um, overall, uh, we'll talk about that at, at, at the at the end of the year. Overall, not great for movies. I think, I think uh, you know we've we've had the heavy, we have the heavy we have the heavy hitters coming out later this year, and we'll talk about those later. Um, but yeah, for now, hasn't been too great overall. But uh, I might disagree horror, with you. That. I might disagree been. with you strongly yeah, on that one. I think it's, it's been, been a good year, been, but. It's been pretty mid. I don't know. <laughs> I feel, I, there's I been a like lot of movies that I've enjoyed a lot this year. A lot of movies we have enjoyed, but a lot, I, I feel like we come on here a lot, we're like, yeah, this was fine. <laughs> I feel like 2022 has been the year of fine. Uh, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll reconvene later this yeah, year. We, yeah. we're, we'll re-litigate re that, uh, that discussion later this year. Um, Smile came out this week, or last week. I saw that in a theater. Really great audience. Um, yes, yeah, Smile is a movie by Parker Finn. Stars Soshi Bacon. Uh, she plays Rose in this. We have Jesse Usher, who you probably know as um, A-Train from The Boys. He's wow. in this. Um, yeah, uh, we have Kel Penn in this. And Kel Penn, great actor, or good actor, I'll no. say. Uh, loved mm. his... No? 
Oh, no? I, yeah. I thought you were asking. Oh yeah, he's funny. What, what was your? He's, he's funny and he's, funny. Uh, he's a good White House aide or something. But <laughs> he is exactly. Uh, yeah, not not right for this role. He tries but, to play a very serious, very straightforward uh, doctor in this. I was just cringing yeah. and laughing at every every line he said in this movie. <laughs> yeah, we, bad bad casting on that route. Um, but yeah, a lot of lot of jump scares in this. Um, this is basically like it follows. They were trying to do like an it follows, um, but with more of a. I'm not sure what they're trying to do here. Actually, <laughs> just a lot of jump scares. Um, acting was fine. It was try to try to meld some like psychological drama in here, psychological thriller. Try to um, try to try to say something about like depression, suicide being like a. Um, contagion in the world um, but it doesn't really land those ideas very well at all um, but yeah just like I said just, just if you want to go to the theater and be like I want to shit my pants like four or five times in an hour and a half then you can go and do that Do that, but um, overall not great give it like a three on, on Letterbox over there so you can probably skip that one if, if, that's, if that's not your thing. I don't know yeah. if we've talked about uh, your um, interest in horror. Are you a big horror guy? Not really. Honestly, I, I don't like yeah. horror stuff. And it's not even because it's like I, it's not, I don't really get scared by that kind of shit. I, I like movies that make me feel uncomfortable, like movies that are like yeah. psychological, quote unquote, horror, like stuff like The Thing is my jam. But if it's like stuff that jump scares, I think that is the just cheap, like not interesting filmmaking as far as i'm concerned that's why i don't like a lot of like i saw the trailer for this i was like it i just laughed yeah. a bunch it looks fucking terrible <laughs> and like i guess yeah. it's getting like it's doing pretty well it had a it's doing really well the box office is good word of mouth i'm like yes are we did you guys see the same trailer i, I don't know like i'm like <laughs> I almost, i'm like do i have to give this shit up but you were talking about all the jump scares and stuff i'm like oh my god like a movie that i love a scary movie that I love, a horror movie that I love, is fucking uh-huh. Sinister. That is such a goddamn good yes. movie. Scott Derrickson's Sinister, yeah. um, which you know people have been kind of talking about because Black Phone has just hit um, like uh, the stream, whatever streaming app, Peacock or whatever, and people are and yeah. I think it just turned had an anniversary. And that movie, like they do the grainy footage, and you just when a movie just shows you something that's horrible that's going to happen, and it just makes you and you know it's happening, and makes you watch it for like a minute. And you know it's there. That is so much more scary than something that you don't know it's going to happen that just jumps out at you for like a millisecond. And you're like, oh, you get some kind of visceral reaction. I'm not trying to go to fucking not scary farm or something. I'm trying to watch a movie. <laughs> you know? And, yeah. I don't know. I, I, that's why I, I, yeah. I'm very, very picky with my horror movies more than probably any genre, to be honest. Yeah, I unfortunately am not <laughs> too picky. Just like I, I give me, give me all you got. I got the Shutter app going. I'm on there constantly, so I'm like, yeah, I have a pretty, I have a pretty low bar for for good horror, you know. So that so the fact that this didn't really impress me very much should probably tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah good um. Then another horror movie from this year, uh, the remake of Hellraiser, uh, came out last week, uh, directed by David Bruckner, who I believe. Directed a few things that I've enjoyed in the horror genre. Um, he did The Night House from a couple of years ago with uh, Rebecca Hall. He did one of my favorite horror movies from the last few years called The Ritual. That's on Netflix as well. Um, I believe he did a segment of the VHS anthology uh, movie from a few years ago. So uh, he's done a few things that I've enjoyed. Um, the stars Odessa Azizan as Riley, Jamie Clayton. Um, we got 
Adam Faison, Faison, a lot of young actors in here I'm not really familiar with. Um, this was not too good, I would huh. say. Um, a lot of people on Twitter and on Letterboxd are saying this, but I'll repeat it, which is it's not horny enough and it's not it's not gross enough, I think. You huh. think of Hellraiser and you think of horny demon things uh, that will skin you alive then fuck your, your bleeding corpse. That's what people think of when they think of Hellraiser. And there's not nearly enough of that. Uh, I feel like one of the uh, major um, things that streaming does is it allows you to put out weird things like you were saying with uh, Werewolf by Night that this sort of system this sort of uh, what distri- distribution model allows for things like that and I think they had a really good opportunity here where they're like you know uh, we don't need to worry about an R rating or an NC-17 rating because it's going to go straight to straight to Hulu I don't know if that wasn't known to them when they were making this so maybe that's why they sort of held back with some of the gore and some of the sex but um, yeah, not not nearly enough of that. I, th- I feel like um, there are people uh, making good body horror and good um, body horror and sex horror and, and weird stuff like that. Julia Cor- Corno is the first one that comes to mind with things like Teton and Raw. Um, I feel like you could go back and look at that stuff, but especially the scene in the bathroom when she breaks her nose is extremely viscerally upsetting. Um, and the things in this are just like, yeah, that that uh, that's a very cool looking. I love the practical effects of these Cenobites in this. They some very imaginative designs to them, but it sort of just looks like a guy in a suit after a while, you know? Mm. Um, you don't really feel like uh, they're doing anything to anybody, any of these people's bodies. Um, you know, just going back to DeCorno and her movies, there's there's a way you can shoot these things where uh, you have a lack of a cut. You you film the entire thing from her busting her nose on the sink to her falling down. You hear it and you see it. And there's just way too many cuts in this. And there's way too many close shots. And there's way too many just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I kind of know how you did that. <laughs> I feel like we're in this position, position now where everybody's just so knowledgeable about how, about how things are made. I feel like you really have to try hard to sort of get around that and I feel like they didn't do that here so I don't know check it out if you want a if you want a decent uh, decent Hellraiser I guess it's, it's definitely better than the recent ones I can tell you that much huh. <laughs> I mean I've never so, seen any yeah, but, Hellraiser and I probably I'm not gonna start here yeah I mean it's I'm not yeah. like I just talked about I'm not a big horror guy and especially this kind of like body horror just like where the only real message seems to be look how gross this is um has never been something that's interested me and maybe you know the original was good like you were talking about with your interview with with, uh cinematech i think it was talking about like the horror sequel syndrome and you know because i grew up in the 90s and i just kept when i would see the hellraiser movies like on tv or like a preview or something it just seemed to be flat air and you know maybe they had just devolved from what they once were but it was just something that never caught my interest and that's that's an interesting you know point they brought up uh, the the first one. Why is the first one always seemingly better than the rest? I think it has a lot a lot to do with that that sort of the shark didn't work um, mm-hmm. problem that a lot of the <clears throat> early movies have, where you just have a low budget, you don't have a lot of time to work with um, what you have, so they pretty much just. You know, didn't show you. You go back to the original uh, Hellraiser. You barely see Pinhead. You barely see the Cenobites, and I think that's part of the draw of it. Of like, 
You know, what is that? Who is that guy in the shadow? Where are these chains coming from? What's going on with that person with no skin on their face? Um, and I think that's probably maybe gave him a little bit too much of a money for this. I think there's all, I think you can definitely see the production value in this, like big, big, uh, big set pieces, big environments, big houses. Um, and you just don't need that. Like I said, I think the, the draw of the original was like a small house, small cast, small budget, but but they definitely did a lot of very ingenious things with what they had. So I think that was probably another problem with this where they were like, yeah, we got $20 million, so we might as well use all of the $20 million on these long shots and these big vistas and these big, these big giant uh, set pieces and just too much money to, uh, to allow it to be, to feel organic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And also they're like horror movies are one of the, franchises where they just keep making and making making sequels and it just kind of comes a point like all right well here's this bad guy just torturing a new group of teens that are having sex this week and it's just like they're not bringing the sequels are not bringing anything new or interesting to the table exactly yep 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 um let's see one other thing i watched this week uh not okay another new film from this year from 2022 uh directed by queen shepherd stars zoe deutsch mia isaac and dylan o'brien i really like this i like this a lot um i think this is a movie that's going to turn off a lot of people uh this goes back to a lot of the stuff we were talking about earlier this year with the um but i don't like him war mm. uh series on netflix um uh, are you familiar familiar with the plot of this uh, no, I am not. So this basically is about a woman who's working for a contemporary online outlet, you know, sort of like a clone of a clone of a clone of BuzzFeed. It's like, you know, what did what did Kardashian get up to this week? What does what does your favorite uh, friends uh, cast member say about your order at Starbucks? Shit like that. Huh. Um, so she's working for that sort of an outlet, and she pretends to go to Paris for some writer's retreat and there was a terrorist attack over there and because she told everyone she was over there everyone's like oh my god are you okay blah 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 and she gets all she gets you know thousands and thousands and thousands of retweets and likes and she's like oh my god this is incredible I, got, I finally got attention so she just instead of saying like I wasn't actually over there <clears throat> she, leans in, she leans into it and she's like yeah I was over there and I'm so traumatized and blah 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 and the more she digs a hole for herself the more likes she gets and the more attention she gets and the more money she gets so uh, she very much uh, it's all about her just making up this this crazy story and it's very much about a story about like victimhood and um you know, our contemporary online thing where you just want fame for fame's sake and you'll do whatever it takes to get it and how this this like sick um, addiction we have to to for approval and for, you know, um, the celebrityness of the celebrity culture and just trying to get your 50 minutes of fame no matter, no matter how you can get it. Um, I think it does a really good job of showing there's a character in here who survived a uh, school shooting and I think it really does a really good job of showing like this is the effect of what it has on somebody and it's just it's not it's not totally um uh fixated on Zoe Deutsch's character it very much splits its it splits its attention to the character who survived the school shooting so I think that's a really good um job that they did there where they're not just sort of asking you to feel sympathy for this like sociopath that did this terrible thing it also shows you the um the effects of an actual 
an actual victim of, of an actual atrocity. So I think this is a really, really great movie. I'd highly, highly recommend it. Um, I believe it's streaming on Hulu right now. Nice. Yeah, I think it was a Hulu original, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It was. It was. Yep. So definitely check that out. And then, so let's get to some stuff you've been watching. You checked out Hocus Pocus 2. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm a really big fan of the original, uh, you know, me being a quote unquote 90s kid. Uh, <laughs> I, I watch the original every single year. It is a stone cold classic. And the second one is, it's, well, speaking of what you were saying earlier, it's fine. It's, it's, as, as far as it does everything it needs to do, it justifies its own existence. It's not going to be a classic in the way the first one was, but it's, it's, a, it's you know, a legacy sequel that seems like it needs to exist. It doesn't rely overwhelmingly on the nostalgia from the first one, but it brings enough of the first one back to make you feel like, okay, we are still living in this universe. These are these same characters. Um, and... Yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's a nice little. If you're a fan of the first one, watch it and you'll enjoy yourself. It's not gonna be a Halloween go-to for me. I I might watch it every once in a while after I watch the first one. But I I'm glad I, it's, it exists. I was dreading this movie for a long time. I was dreading it was gonna be awful, and it starts out kind of rough to be honest. Um, but yeah, I I did enjoy it. Well, what is that streaming on? Uh, that's Disney Plus. Ah, okay. Definitely will possibly check that out. Um, and then you finished up Blonde from last week. So yeah. did you sort of... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, you know, I wasn't going to talk about it because we kind of discussed yeah. it last time. But then I was like, fuck this movie. Um, I, <laughs> I, there's, I try not to... And I get riled up sometimes, but I try not to be too negative on movies for the most part. But really, fuck yeah. this movie because I yes. really hate everything about this movie. It's one. It's yep. I. I I never regret watching movies. I regret watching this movie. It is absolutely terrible on almost every level except for the acting. The it just like we were talking about last week. It just is there to exist and be misery porn and it doesn't care about Marilyn Monroe the person at all it's just relitigating all this horrible shit that she had to go through and it's not really saying anything other than wow look at how fucking horrible her life is isn't this awful and you're just like yeah great thanks for showing me it's shot yep. the way it's shot is so fucking frustrating because it just keeps switching between black and white and color and at least five different aspect ratios for no reason like i even looked up like yes. what is because like I, ju I just watched something i'll talk about in a sec kevin can fuck himself like that movie or that show has two switches between styles for a really good purpose it is very effective whenever it switches you are in it and this just kept switching at a certain point i lost track of whatever whenever it was in four to three and black and white or widescreen and and whatever like let's or when it was letterboxed like i would just lose track of it because it was just n constantly changing for no reason and the only reason the director gave was he's like oh yeah i didn't have a good reason for any specific change i just wanted you to be in her headspace i'm like this is just another way for you to like victimize Mar marilyn monroe again I, I fucking hated it so much it it's gross it like it 
puts all this stuff that doesn't even like happen to her. Like it's like let's just make JFK a rapist for no reason. And you're like okay, like maybe he was a skeevy dude, but like this scene doesn't. And that's you were asking why it needs to be NC-17. I'm like probably the JFK scene where he like she gets drugged and he forces her to give her head and then basically rapes her. That's probably the reason. And then just all the yeah. pro-life shit that was in there for no fucking reason. Like I, I don't know. Like I. I really liked the assassination of the coward Robert Ford or Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. I think that just might be like he got a good script and Roger Deakins shot a hell of a movie because I fucking hated the um, uh, what's the one with Brad Pitt where the subtext is louder than the text and he's an assassin. Um, God, I can't even remember, but like I just I don't know. uh, Oh, my God. It's it's Andrew Dominic. You know, my point is Andrew Dominic. I two of the three movies that I've seen of his, two of them were movies yeah. that I strongly disliked, especially Blonde. Like this is, it was honestly the least, the the worst viewing experience I've had in a movie, in as in I don't know how long in years. Like it was just horrible. Like fuck this movie. <laughs> like Anity yeah, Armas great. great. Um Adrian Brody is Arthur Miller great. Other than that, I can't say anything good about the movie. Yeah, the uh the, the assassin movie Brad Pitt was in. Uh Killing Them Softly is that yes, the one? Yes, thank you. Killing of? Them Softly. That is a movie that is just like, yeah. oh my god. Like that's a movie where like it's like I get it. It's about George Bush and the and and the economy <laughs> and like I, I yeah. understand you you don't need to like play the political ads that are happening in the background louder than the dialogue we fucking get yeah. it dude yeah yeah I'll talk about a movie later that basically is misery porn also <laughs> just like this movie is without much of a context from not much of a reason for it so yeah I completely agree with everything you said yeah, just, yeah. I, I, I had to say something because it just I was so mad watching this movie like I was just so upset like this movie no one should watch this movie like just like usually i'm like well maybe somebody would enjoy it or this might be good for somebody no this is a bad movie it's poorly made it's it's yeah. messaging is so fucked up like i hate it yeah not great not great <laughs> so let's get some so that's pretty good i haven't seen this yet but you can talk about all right. it um about all the reveals and stuff you got rings of power has finished up its first season on amazon prime uh what'd you think of the finale in the season overall Okay, so I really did enjoy this. Um, this was a really good yeah. show, and I think something that this and She Hulk has in common is that it's they've both been getting uh, internet trolls. People like incels on the internet are getting mad at this movie because it's a lady is the main character, and that's it's interesting because She Hulk actually made that the villain of the show. Um, this one is was also something that's getting review bombed for a lot of those same reasons because you know you have Gladriel. Um, but what I liked about both of these shows and their female leads is that so often there was a really strong backlash against the kind of quote-unquote damsel in the stress. And so shows and movies were making these characters that were these uber-strong, you know, to use a term that might be a little problematic, um, Mary Sue's, um, just kind of these, you know, flawless kind of characters. And that's something that people levied against, you know, captain marvel and i think there might be a little bit of truth to that but these yeah they're, they're characters that are female characters that are incredibly strong that are also emotionally just kind of invulnerable whereas moifred clark as gladriel is that on the outside but she has this 
real vulnerability to her. Like, she is clearly acting this way to cover up, like, the deep insecurities that she has. There's this really good uh, view essay about this whole thing by The Take that I would recommend everyone watch. Um, but she is so... I don't think they met, don't mention Lord of the Rings because it's from a while back, but um, it it ta- she is just so good at being this this str- character who thinks she needs to be physically strong to deal with her emotional vulnerability, and I think that is handled really really well. Um, that's one of the plot lines. All the other plots are very interesting. I think it it does a little bit fall into the, like prequely well we've got to put this in here so you know uh well how did this how did mordor become like this well we've got to explain why there's a big volcano here and but there are some (laughs) there are some interesting things in it there's some twists and turns and some character that reveals that are that are pretty fucking cool uh i thought you know i do love a big big ensemble cast like this like we talked about when we talked about the show um yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I would I would recommend anybody who is a fan of Lord of the Rings or even not check it out. Very cool. Um, do you want to talk about some of the spoilers? Because I saw some of the stuff um, popped up about who people were. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can talk about here. it. Um, yeah. Because yeah, sure. the sh- the last episode starts with we we discussed like how like okay this this guy that's fallen from the sky is he evil? What is he? You know, he's he's a Maiar, and it starts to make you think that he is maybe Sauron, and that then, you know, you see him, and it's like, oh, the, the show does a kind of fake-out where it's like, yeah, this guy is Sauron. You're like, oh, shit. And then it's just like, psych, he's not. This other guy, the uh, the hot boat guy, as I call him, uh, is Sauron. <laughs> and that was a really cool, interesting twist and reveal, and it was something that the best reveals are like ones where it's like, oh, I didn't necessarily see that coming, but it makes a lot of sense, and then it's very strongly implied that the the wanderer, as he was called, the kind of guy who was the faked out Sauron, is actually Gandalf because he he drops a Gandalf line, oh. uh, which I thought was really <laughs> fucking cool, and he's it makes sense because he's friends with all the hobbits, the proto hobbits. So uh, I thought those yes. were some cool, good twists. It ends with you know the the more the the Sauron kind of going off. I really loved. There's this scene between Sauron and Galadriel where he's like, hey, you know, you could be my queen and we could you know rule middle earth together and she's like i hate you so much but like also maybe i should do this like it makes <laughs> sense but she's like no fuck you guy this 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 is bad um there's some interesting stuff there's uh one of the things people were like well technically gladriel should be married to Ke- lord Celeborn by now so this doesn't really make any sense and then she does drop the line like <laughs> oh well yeah i had a husband um and this was the last time i saw him and it seems like she thinks he's dead but i have a feeling in season two they're gonna be like psych he's actually alive because he's in lord of the rings and i think that it's not right. gonna break canon with that and that's why he hasn't been cast and there was no any flashbacks to him so that's my theory for that one is that we just haven't seen him yet and he's, she's gonna be like oh actually my husband's alive there he is i shouldn't have been flirting with sauron so much <laughs> back when i thought he was just a hot boat guy um <laughs> but yeah it's it's been really good i love big epic filmmaking like this uh or epic tv in this case and nothing i mean i guess maybe the the the, the um dungeons or not dungeons right the game of thrones <laughs> dance of dragons spinoff yeah. is uh looks like this um but yeah really really amazing that tv looks like this now yeah, definitely. I will, I will be checking it out. Um, I was waiting for it to sort of um, end the season before I jump back in. I think I finished. I uh, last time I saw it was maybe episode six. How many were there for there's, the season? There's eight. Yeah. So I watched eight. the okay. seven last night and eight this morning because I wanted to 
finish it so before talking yeah. about it um yeah i fucking love yeah. it yeah nice i'll be definitely check that out and very quickly just want to mention um like we, you said uh you mentioned what's the show uh something of dragons yeah house oh, of dragons very house, good yeah, yeah. Very, yeah house of the dragons very good um you know, they're getting to the point where <clears throat> I think they've got the entire cast now. Um, I don't know if you've heard anything about it, but there's a bunch of different time jumps mm. were going on. It's like six months and a year, two years. They did a 10-year time jump just recently. So I believe uh, going forward, the entire cast will remain the same as far as I know. Okay. So, yeah, they're all caught up and they're yeah. all set in cement. They're all cemented, yeah. Yeah, yeah some very cool moments in, the, in this last couple episodes. I think they are getting to the point now where they're having the scenes and having the talks and they're having the set pieces and the moments in this and the uh, the line delivery and the action and the kills that we were expecting from the very beginning. So hopefully, you know, the last two episodes, I think they have two more to go. Um, it's going to be a 10-episode season. So hopefully the last two will be more of that and maybe the um, subsequent seasons will be more of that as well. Nice, nice. Yeah. All right, so uh, some more stuff you've watched. Uh, you just mentioned Kevin can fuck himself when talking about uh, Blind. Does this season finish up? Yeah, so it's actually the series finale. It's only two seasons, um, but the show has wrapped up. Um, and yeah, it's really, really good. Annie Murphy um, stars in it, people who would recognize her from uh, Schitt's Creek. Um, and it does, you know, I think I've mentioned on this show before that it switches back between the setup of a kind of classic sitcom of like oh here's the frumpy guy and his beautiful wife and then like a kind of darker amc like breaking bad style show and it's just the way it switches back and forth between those two is so interesting and it shows like oh like this stock character like she's the hot doting wife who's just kind of like a nag is actually like this really tortured woman who is in this horrible marriage with a sociopath and just what that would actually be like in real life and it's just a great fucking show that I, I really recommend to just about anyone. Obviously, it takes its name from the Kevin Can Wait, the Kevin James show, and because it was kind of based on uh, a character who was on that show who got writ, like killed off so they could bring in uh, his wife from uh, uh, Leah Remy from um, King of Queens. So yeah, just if you're if you are a fan of sitcoms and or uh, crime dramas this hits both of those in a really interesting way that crosses over in a way that uh you would not expect nice very cool this is on uh, amc plus yeah yeah um so does amc plus have like a bunch of different stuff uh bundled in there with it so honestly i actually have been watching it on just regular like the amc channel because i have um, oh. that through my parents so I'm not sure oh, what, yeah. <laughs> like how to watch anything on AMC plus so I have I have no idea okay. I've just been uh, you know uh, using uh, you know don't tell anyone but using my parents cable <laughs> yeah let me see what it has on here I, th- I heard it has a bunch of stuff in it that I can might ha- might be able to cancel other stuff um, oh yeah so uh, AMC plus uh, bundles together Shutter, Sundance Now, and IFC Films Unlimited. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's Didn't, good, I wasn't that's aware it had all that stuff right in there. it. That is, yeah. Um, and then one more thing you've watched: uh, Annihilation, Alex Garland's film from 2018, I believe. Yes. Yeah, so uh, you and I are going to be later on this week recording some Alex Garland stuff. Um, so yeah. stay stay tuned for that, everybody. And it got me thinking: like I've seen most of his things, I haven't seen this. And I watched it because 
a I wanted to watch some more Alex Garland stuff before I dove too much into the show because I'm waiting on that. But also, uh, it's a kind of a people call it a horror movie, and I I agree with yeah. that. I think it's really good, really interesting. Just kind of you know what I was talking about before. What really works for me in horror where it is just saying something. It's about how we change and people aren't ever really the same and how the world around us changes and the people around us changes and we become more like them. They become more like us and everybody rubs off on everybody and our environment rubs off on us and just how change is inevitable. And sometimes it's terrifying and sometimes it's beautiful. And sometimes it's a fucking bear monster that can shout out like the last dying oh my words God. of your friend. That shit was insane. Oh my God. Oh my God. That, that was, was incredible. Like I'd always heard about the bear, oh, the bear scene, the bear scene. And I was like, all right. Well. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, <laughs> they were right. Like, and then, and then the ending I thought was so interesting and cool where I was like, oh, that's where the TikTok sound comes from. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, <laughs> what was I, the sound? I dug it. The end or it's the, where she's like looking at the, the alien and it's like her and it's kind of does this weird soundtrack that sounds like something being played in reverse. It's just like, like, it's just like, I can't even do it, but like, it's a sound oh, of her, like anytime yeah. there's something like weird or uncomfortable on TikTok, they use that. And I was like, okay, that's what that's from. <laughs> it's, it's the soundtrack from yes. Annihilation. But yeah, yes. I, I really dug it. It's that's the kind of horror that I like where it's just very existential and you know, it's, it's, it's not just, Oh no, there's a bad guy with a knife. It's like, Oh, the horror is the world, but it's also kind of us. Like I, I really dug it. Very cool. Um, so where'd you see that? Uh, I watched that. It was streaming on max HBO max. I think. Nice, nice, nice. Definitely gonna check that out. Um, Have you not seen last thing we're gonna do. Oh, I've seen it. Oh, oh yeah. okay, okay, yeah. okay. Cool, cool. I was yeah, like, oh yeah, shit, I did it. I spoil it's, it? It's, uh, all right, good, good. No, no, I haven't seen it in a while though. Um, really loved all the performances. Tessa Thompson's in it. Um, obviously Natalie Portman. Um, I believe. Oh, what's the woman's name? Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, isn't that as well? Right? Yeah. Really amazing cast. Yeah, yeah. Very cool movie. Um, so before we get to our last picks and all that stuff, uh, let me take a break real quick so I can t- take a pee, <laughs> dive into some of the stuff we've been watching, and uh, yeah, be right back in a second. And we're back. Uh, so yeah, we're going to do, like we have been doing last time, Letterboxed Shuffle. Um, Derek, you saw Panic Room for the first time. What would you think of this? I thought it was a pretty solid thriller. You know, it's a, uh, uh, you know, uh, David Fincher obviously directed it. I'm a really big fan of his uh, script by David Kep, who has written some of the greatest movies of all time and also some of the worst. Um, so, but yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's interesting. It was really weird. I thought it definitely had really interesting character dynamics. That was the good thing about it was just seeing how these characters react to each other. It does feel like those movies from the early aughts that were just like very gimmicky, like phone booth or like here's just a thing that we've heard of in the news that's like popular and now we're just gonna set a thriller in it you know uh there were so many of those and this is excuse me this is probably the best one of those um i really was interested by a lot of the the robbers the kind of whole dynamic between the three of them i I kind of wish this was more of a two-hander where for i was really interested by the forrest whitaker character and i would really have liked to see because it felt like maybe like a two-thirds Jodie Foster, one-third Forrest Whitaker movie. Um, and I would have liked it to be more of a true two-hander. I think it would have benefited from that a lot more if you get the two sides of the coin equally. Um, because I think he was such an interesting character. And he's a character that could have been 
very cliched and done really wrong, but with David Kep and with Forrest Whitaker playing him, um, he was interesting. I loved his whole dynamic with Kristen Stewart, where he's just like, hey, I... He's like, I'm not a... He's like, I, like that scene where he's like, I wish I had a place like this for my daughter, and then he saves her, and then she's like, don't shoot him, and I, I loved all of that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a solid movie. Um, you know, it's not... It's pretty low on my Fincher list, to be honest. Um, yeah. But, I mean, he's he's a master, so... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm glad I finally got to see it, and that was the last David Fincher movie I hadn't seen, so I'm glad I finally, you know, completed that yeah, have you seen uh, Alien Three? I have. Uh, Alien Three is. Oh wow! Cl- I've seen the the what's it called the um, it's not a director's cut, but it's called like the whatever cut the um, the editor cut or whatever yeah. it is. Um, it's not that, but something. yeah. Uh, and I think it's that's a movie that's flawed, but you can see David Fincher's hand in it, the brilliance of it. It's the script is is rough, um, but there are some really interesting good ideas in Alien Three that I I do think it is pretty underrated to be honest. Nice, I check that out. Um, with Panic Room, that was like in the early 2000s. And I feel like if you go back and watch movies from the early 2000s, late 90s, uh, some of them as well, um, you know, people like Michael Mann are using digital for the first time, and it looks not great. I don't think a lot of this, I don't think a lot of that early digital camera work really holds up now. Um, did you notice anything like that? Because like, I remember early on in the movie, there's the the sweeping room to room sort of um handheld shots throughout the the apartment did a lot of that stuff look dated to you at all there was a little bit of the like where the camera is just kind of like going through the entire house it was something where i was like i had the thought of like wow this looks good for 2002 like that that <laughs> yeah. was that was my thought i was like this if i saw this today i was like this would be bad but i'm like for like my thinking was like this is fake my mind is realizing it's fake and my and the technology probably wasn't there yet, and Fincher's always a guy who's kind of like pushing the borders with technology, and this probably hadn't caught up to it. But I think you know, for the time, I can. It's like watching Tron One. It's like, yeah, I can appreciate how this was really revolutionary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I do need to see that again. I saw it a long time ago, maybe when it first came out. So, would like to catch up on that. Um, then the movie I was assigned by Letterboxd last time was a movie called Capernaum, uh, directed by Nadine Labaki. It's got um, 4.1 on Letterboxd, which is kind of weird because if I look at just the activity from my friends and their, and their sort of all, overall rating, it seems to be like a three, I guess. Um, very, um, not controversial, but very... Um, split on the votes here split on the um the reviews i'm seeing a lot of like one stars and four stars and three stars um so let me just read these synopsis here uh zane a 12 year old boy scrambling to survive in the streets of beirut sues his parents for having brought him into such an unjust world where being a refugee with no documents means that your rights can easily be denied so a lot of the um a lot of the one star reviews i'm seeing a lot of the um criticisms the uh negative criticisms for this movie are that it's just uh like we were saying with blind it's a lot of torture porn it's a lot of misery porn um it's just showing him sort of literally just surviving it shows him with like uh, a one-year-old or two-year-old and they're just just panhandling and trying to make it from one day to the next and just very um precarious situations that they're both in and there's really i think a lot of the one of the complaints i saw was you know it's does 
doesn't give you a lot of context for why these people are in this specific situation. And I feel like those reviews are kind of missing the point. I feel like this is a survival movie. This isn't really a what's going on here. This isn't a movie about Syria or, or Lebanon or Beirut. This isn't about the overall political um, contextualization of why of what's going on with the Middle East. Um, I feel like also if you're going to like talk to somebody that's actually in that situation and you're like, well, you know, we're actually in the situation because of thousands of years of colonialism, blah, 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 blah. They don't really care about that. <laughs> they don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and neither should the viewer really because you all you need to know is what's going on right now, what we need to do to help these people right now. So I think in that way, I think it worked the movie overall worked for me. There is a lot of very long drawn out shots of him just being miserable and him just sort of like... I don't really, um, I don't think you needed that many shots of him mm-hmm. not eating and just trying to sell dirty pots for money. I do think it's a very interesting idea of him suing his parents. I, I, that's something I think about a lot of like, if you're, if you're trying to become a parent and you are in a situation where you probably shouldn't have a kid, I think you should probably should think about having a kid. And, you know, I think if you do bring somebody into the world, I think you have, you have a responsibility to do more than just the minimum. You, you can't just say I'm a good parent because I feed my kid and I give him a roof over their head and I bring him to school and blah, blah, blah. That's all minimal. That's, that's minimum parenting 101. Um, I think you should, prepare your kid for the real world. People talk about the real world all the time, but there is no like, it's not a binary switch. It's not like you're in school or it's not like you are, uh, before you're 18, you have an easier life. No, everyone has a, has a really hard life and you don't just go into the real world after you leave home. I think parents have a responsibility to, to care, take care of their kids, not only when they're at home, but after they leave their home and after they go to college and all this stuff. So I think the movie does have a lot to say about like, what what is a parent's responsibility beyond just serving their base needs, which I think is really very interesting. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, rented that on Amazon for like two or three bucks. So I would, I would recommend it. Um, so let's do another uh, letterbox shuffle. I'm going to go to my watch list and I'll turn that up and go on to shuffle. And I'll hit shuffle and the movie it lands on is The Red House from 1947. Directed... Apparently by Delmar Davies. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Davies or Daves? Daves. Um, he's the director of the original 310 Yuma. He directed Dark Passage, a bunch of a uh, bunch of Western movies back in the day. But this is not a Western. This is a, I think it's a horror thriller. Very interesting um, psychological thriller from back in the day. So the synopsis is: an old man and his sister are concealing a terrible secret from their adopted teen daughter concerning a hidden abandoned farmhouse located deep in the woods. This is starring Edward G. Robinson, Mr. (laughs) (laughs) The old uh, mafia guy. I believe he plays the mafia people. Uh, So I'll be checking that out for the next episode in two weeks. What do you got over there on your letterbox shuffle? Yeah. Yeah. So I got my letterbox is shuffle is really wanting me to watch um, some Ray Harry House and stuff, I guess, because I got one last week and then I ignored it. But this week I'm going to stick with it. Uh, it's gave me this- Jason and the Argonauts. So, uh, you know, the, oh, no. the 60, 1963 <laughs> yeah. classic adventure mythology inspired movie. So, yeah, that one should be fun. Nice, nice, yeah. Finally checking that out. Yeah. yeah. Seen so many things that are that are they're based on this. Everyone always 
<clears throat> references this when they're talking about, you know, early early stop motion stuff and early early CGI stuff. So I'll be interested to know uh, how this stuff holds up from now. Yeah, yeah, should be should be cool to see see how this one plays. Yes, yes. Directed by David Chaffee mm-hmm. or Don Jason Chaffee. Argonauts. Don Chaffee, yes, yes, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jason, Jason the Argonauts, Pete's Dragon, he directed, and also One Million Years BC, which is the one you uh, laid on last time. Yeah, yeah, which I rejected, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know what? It, yeah. it really wanted me Apparently. to review one of these guys' movies, so I guess that's this yeah. is what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll hear about that next time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like get to some plugs. We got um, Medium blog. I, I got to get uh, going on that. I haven't done one one of those in a while. <clears throat> but if you want to see some of my uh, two one or two paragraph uh, thoughts on some stuff that I'm watching recently, some horror stuff, some spooky spooky dooky stuff, you can check me out on Letterbox. B for Benedetta over there. Uh, film essayist on YouTube. Go to anchor.com to make a podcast. And I got some uh, the interviews uh, went up last week with Cinematech, his thoughts on the most recent TIFF Festival, and author B.R. Yeager got him to sit down and talk about his book, Negative Space. So check, go back in the feed and uh, check those out if you want to hear some really great interviews. Yeah, yeah those, are, those are great. Yeah, thank you. Did uh yeah like them a lot. Uh, so what do you get to plug? Yeah, so as always, I've got my podcast underrated, which comes out the same day that this comes out. Um, today's episode is we actually had on a really cool guest, uh, Alex Cairos from Beyond the Screenplay, came on and talked to us about the New World, the um Terrence Malick film. So I had a lot of fun discussing that one, breaking that one down. Um, we've also got our podcast Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones that I do. Uh, talking about the MCU, so some of the stuff I touched on here, She-Hulk and Werewolf by Night, I'll be kind of uh, doing a more in-depth discussion on, so um, just look up Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones, if you want to hear me talk about some more Marvel stuff uh, as well. Cool. So for Can I Say Something, I've been Damien. And I've been Derek. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.